So I want to start off, I have to apologize. I'm pretty sure that I brought the cold weather with me. We got in about six or seven last night, and it was cold where we left. It was cold in Fort Worth two days ago when we left for Kerrville, and it was cold in Kerrville and rainy when we left. And we got here, and it was cold and rainy. So I'm pretty sure that the clouds just went over our car wherever we went and arrived with us. So I apologize for bringing the cold weather to you guys. I know this is not the normal weather in McAllen. This is, this is the weather in Maine. November rain is like, we're famous for it, like biting, aching, cold to the bone rain in November. So I, I'm sorry I brought Maine weather to you guys. Somehow, I have no idea how. I, I haven't been to Maine for a while. Well, we are so grateful to be here. Monica and I, we, um, we actually were here in church uh, years ago when God gave us the call to go to the mission field. In fact, uh, Chad, Pastor Chad, led a perspectives course several years ago, and Monica and I got to take that course. And through that course... We actually were introduced to CBC and became uh, members during that time. And as we prayed through the material in that perspectives class, we felt the call of God to go back to the mission field, to go overseas. So it's really, really significant for us to be here today. It's a blessing and we're really grateful. Now, Monica and I, we, we live in South Asia uh, we worked there as well, and um, I want to tell you a little about some of the stuff that we do, and then uh, we'll get into some scripture. So, Monica and I do direct evangelism with Urdu-speaking peoples in South Asia. We've been assigned to an area with 27 million Urdu speakers who are lost. So, this is our job. This is what we have ahead of us. So we've got lots of work to do. So we do direct evangelism. We talk about Jesus, right? It's our firm foundation. And when we go and we share the gospel, we talk about Jesus. It's where we are strongest in our faith. It's where we camp out. And when we get questions that want to debate this or debate that or debate the other thing, we go back to Jesus and we hammer on Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there was no other way to go in front of God in his presence without the mediation of Jesus. Now, we do something else, too, because there's 27 million people. Monica and I can't possibly share with that many people. And so we have partnered with some local churches. There's a lot of Hindu background Christians in our area, not tons, but I would say maybe 200,000 out of 245 million. So there's 200,000 Hindu background Christians. And so they, they're grouped in churches. So we go to those churches and we train the Hindu background Christians to share the gospel with, with Muslim background Christians, Urdu speakers. And that's a big cultural shift. So I grab them and I go and we share together. And we do active, in the training, we do active evangelism and we try to build into them a lifestyle of talking about Jesus with the lost. Those are the two things that we do. And we believe the Holy Spirit is faithful. In fact, I am convinced, I believe, that 
Jesus has already, uh, there are lost lambs all over the world that need to be found. And so our job is to go and find them. We obey, we go, and we try to find them. We share the gospel with many, many people, and some of them turn out to be lost lambs. We don't know who is who. They could be lost lambs. It's God who's made that choice, and it's the Holy Spirit who saves them. But in our obedience, we share the gospel, and God can use us. So that's a little bit about us. Let's get into uh, the word. Let me uh, open with a word of prayer. God, we come before your throne. We are here today on Sunday to give you praise and to give you worship. You are so holy, God, and we love you. I ask, Lord, that you will chap our lips today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, funny prayer, right? Chap your lips. How many times has a pastor, well, I'm not a pastor, but how many times has someone stood on the stage and said, Lord, chap our lips today? It's the first time that I've prayed that. But let's get into scripture. Maybe we'll see what I'm getting at. But before I get there, I want to tell you a personal story of what led to me receiving a call to do a mission work. So a few days before Christmas 1994, so I'm telling you I'm a little bit older now, a few days before Christmas 1994, I shook my fist at God. I'm not proud, that's a dangerous thing to do, right? But I shook my fist at God. But before we get there, let me give you a little bit of contextual background so you can understand why I'm doing that because it's really not a smart thing to do. That night, this was in Maine, and in the church they were doing a Christmas pageant, and I wasn't there. It was below freezing, eight to 10 inches of snow on the ground, and I was back behind the church in the backyard in the woods, and I shook my fist at God. I was angry at God. You see, a week earlier, my friend Gene had called me and he said, hey, bro, I'm going to the slopes. We're going to go skiing. Come with me. Well, I had uh, just had knee surgery. I couldn't go. I couldn't, uh, and I couldn't even go to the lodge to be with him because I had been grounded. I'd been a knucklehead and my parents had grounded me. So I couldn't even leave the house. And so I didn't go, but my friend Roger went. And Gene is a great guy. He, man, he's a risk taker. So he was skiing, doing really well, skiing, skiing, skiing. And then he finds a black diamond trail and he goes down the trail. And Roger goes after him. And Gene was skiing along and he lost control of his skis and he went into the woods and he hit a tree and died instantly. And my friend Roger got to the bottom of the slope and Gene didn't come down. And then ski patrol brought him down and asked Roger to identify his body. Now, Gene, Gene was a senior in high school and he had just rededicated his life to the Lord. He'd been a little bit of a prodigal son. He'd given his life to the Lord. He'd just been baptized. He was leader of his uh, little Bible study and he'd been elected school president of the senior class in his high school. The young man had turned his life around. 
So there I was, days before Christmas, shaking my fist at God. And I said, I looked up into the heavens and I said, God, this is wrong. This is not right. You shouldn't have done this. How could you let this happen? He just turned his life around. How could you let him be taken away? I was 19. I was a student leader in my church and I thought I knew what God's will was. And I was telling God the way it was supposed to happen. So I had it out with God. I let it all out. And I stood there in the sub-freezing weather, looking up at the beautiful sky, at all the stars. And I got two replies from God. God in his mercy met me and answered me, even though my heart was angry. And the first reply was a question. And his question went like this. Who do you think I am? And I was, uh, God, you're almighty God. You created the heavens and earth. And then the next question came, who do you think you are? And then I said, God, I'm a broken vessel. I'm your precious child. I'm your servant. Help me to understand your will. As I pondered this God encounter over the next several weeks, God led me to the passage that I'm going to share with you today. So open up your Bible to Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me. I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I have lived among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Wow, what a vision. This passage has an inspiring transformation and I want us to look closer at it today because I think it'll help us to set our hearts right before God. That way we can become ready to follow his will in our lives. So in a vision, Isaiah approaches the throne room of God and it's amazing. 
Like he has trouble putting it to words. And I believe that in any language, it would be hard to describe the throne room of God, but he does his best. So you've got tons of color. You've got people praising and glorifying God. You've got shaking the temple, the, the area shaking and smoke. You've got all kinds of senses being, being set off for Isaiah. He gets a glimpse of how amazing and truly awesome God's glory is. How many of you have been deep in prayer and meditation personally and had a God experience where you get just a glimpse or just a feeling of how great and glorious and mighty God is? How many of us get to that point in our prayers and our meditation time? It's hard to remain in that place because God is so immense and so hard to deal with. And Isaiah is there and he sees God's throne. He sees everything. Everybody's praising and glorifying God. When we go to God in prayer, do we see him this way? Do we see him as master of the universe? Literally. All things that are created were created by him. And everything is meant to bow down and worship him. Nothing existed that God did not create. Is this how we approach him? Or do we in our human arrogance give him a to-do list of things we want him to do for us before Christmas time? Sometimes we reduce God And we reduce our times with God to just telling him what we want. I want us to go back to that moment where we first gave our lives to the Lord, where we just laid it out and we got down before him and we just said, God, I have nothing. I'm all yours. Take me, save me, heal me. Remember that time. Remember that time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There was a time where we gave our lives to the Lord and that's what we said in our heart. Holy are you, God. There's nothing more glorious than you. So Isaiah's there doing the same thing. And then he sees and he realizes himself, right? And he says, woe is me for I am ruined Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Wow. So Isaiah realizes what he is in front of a holy God. Isaiah is like, I'm ruined, I'm broken. There's nothing significant about me. I'm toast. I've got sin in my heart. All of my people have sin. We don't even deserve to be here. I'm ruined. It doesn't really matter how clean we wash our clothes or how hard we scrub our bodies in the shower. It doesn't even matter if we get to church and clean up our language. When we pray, we can only bring brokenness and filth into God's presence. That's all we got. 
But it is good to feel this way. It is good to feel this way because we're able to clearly see our need for God and his forgiveness and healing in our lives. Look at what happens in the passage, verse six. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sins are forgiven. The mercy of God. The angel touched Isaiah's lips with a hot burning coal. This is a symbol of what Jesus' blood does for us. It burns the sin away until there's nothing left. No ash, no smoke, nothing. Burns it all up. Makes it nothing. And we stand before God with with nothing in our way, no baggage. Forgiveness, this kind of forgiveness, this burning away of our sin makes us right in God's sight. So you see how that worked? How Isaiah realized his brokenness, the angel touched his lips with the coal and he was made right in God's sight. Are you right in God's sight today? How is your heart? Can you boldly go into the presence of God in prayer and ask him confidently anything in his name and according to his will, he will answer it? Can you go with that kind of boldness and confidence before the holy God? Or are you kind of afraid to go into his presence because you got a little junk in your trunk? You got a little something that's in the way. Sin, addiction, guilt, shame. You got a little something there and it's in the way and you've been dragging it for years. And when you go to God in prayer, it's like right there in the way and it's a barrier between you and God. And it's hard to see his glory and you don't know if he even notices you. You got drunk in your trunk. Isaiah saw it. Isaiah saw it and he said, I'm toast. It's a total loss. I'm a goner. I challenge you today to see God for who he really is to go into his presence and see God for who he really is, king of the universe, full of holiness, fully righteous. And then I want you to see yourself in his presence and look to see if you got a little junk in your, chunk, in your trunk. It might be time to get your lips chapped. Isaiah laid it at God's feet and we need to do the same. Go into his presence, lay that down, let it go and step back and he will burn it to nothing. Just like Isaiah's shame and guilt was burned to nothing. Look what happens after in the passage, after Isaiah is healed. Then I hear a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. 
send me. Now, I'm not sure Isaiah would have said that if he had held on to the junk in his trunk. If we look in the Bible at the story of Moses, God appears to him in a burning bush and gives him an assignment. And Moses comes up with a lot of excuses why he can't really do it. And that might be because he had some junk in the trunk. So I challenge you, go before the Lord and let go. Let him wash you clean so that you can be confident and bold in his holy presence. Now this, like I said, this passage has been an inspiration for me to go to the field. And regularly, every couple of years, I step away into a personal retreat and I return to this passage and I get on my knees and I try to get into God's presence to see his holiness and glory and greatness to dump the junk in my trunk, to get right with God and be right in his sight so I can hear him and see his vision of what he wants me to do. So that when he says go, I will obey and I'll respond just like Isaiah. So how about you? Remember, there's four transitions here. There's seeing God for who he is. There's seeing ourselves for who we are. There's healing and redemption when we lay it down. And then there's a call. So how about you? How do you fit into God's plan to redeem the world? What is your job? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're, you're like, I'm not sure. I'm just dragging myself through life. I'm not really sure how I fit. Maybe I don't. Well, I challenge you to spend some time on this passage this week. Read through it. Pray. Get into God's presence. Close out all the distractions. Get into God's presence and say, God, what junk do I have in my trunk? What do I need to let go of? How can I serve you with my life, Lord? I challenge you, do that this week. Now, with mission work, there are four ways that you guys can partner with us. And I want to talk about this quickly uh, before we, we finish. The first one is, well, you can go. Maybe you've dumped the, the junk in your trunk and, and you've felt the, the call of the Lord and the Lord is saying, go to the lost and share the good news with them. I am with you. I will be with you to the end of the age. Go. Well, you can go, right? That's the first one. You can go. And Monica and I have been appointed to be team leaders in our area and we don't actually have any other people on our team. So we would love to have some other folks join us in the work. It's wild and crazy and exciting, but Jesus will be with us to the end of the age, right? So you can go. Now, there's not as many graybeards in this service as there was in the first service, but I kind of made a joke in that service, and some people were sort of feeling like, I don't think, uh, I think my time has passed to go. But you can send. Maybe you know someone who feels called to go. 
Maybe you know someone that would be great for that kind of job of sharing the gospel overseas. You can be a sender. Senders encourage, exhort. They do Bible studies. They do mentoring. They take people to the airport and put them on a plane. You can be a sender. Those are two things. Goer, a sender, and then there's a supporter. God has blessed some of us with uh, lots of resources. And our calling is to support the work. And similarly, there is praying. Going, sending, going, sending, supporting, and praying. I know all of you can pray. All of you can pray for the work that God is doing in the world to reach these lost lambs. So I ask you guys, please pray. Pray for the work. Pray for Monica and I, but pray for the work. Pray for it all over. Pray for it here in the valley. Get with God. Find out how you can be part of his mission here and far away. I'm going to go ahead and pray, but I want to invite you guys. If thinking about God's presence, you realize there's, a, there's some junk in my trunk that you need to drop. Or maybe you're feeling a calling on God's heart to go or send or pray or support. Please come forward. We have the kneeling areas. Come forward and, and pray and just give that to the Lord. Glorify him in prayer and just lay it down before him. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your blood shed on the cross that cleanses our heart and makes us right in your sight. So, Lord, we want to lay down the old life. We want to lay down all that junk that we've been holding on to the sin, the addictions, maybe the guilt and the shame. We just want to lay it down so we can see you clearly and we can glorify and honor you by obedience. So we ask, Lord, touch us, Lord, and send us. Give us a calling, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.